0: cereal that i can eat is ready um so because it's because it's made out of oats and and they're not too not too bad um also it's really nice because it's hot so um so you can feel like you're having a hot meal even when you're just eating a salad as long as you have some ready break (laughs) it's really stupid
1: is that is that a traditional
0: game my brain
2: origin salad It's it's to have some
0: salad on the side yeah
2: hey we're heading into Scotland this episode, mate. So, uh, yeah. if
0: that's true, actually. Yes,
2: I mean, yeah. if you're not, not going to have you know salad with porridge, you're not going to have salad. That's that's how it works. <laughs> I, uh,
3: the doc, the first patient you recommend that to, can you record what they tell you? I'm
1: Hello and welcome to episode 7 series 3. This is uh, Berwick upon Tweed, and I'm joined by Kay, Kat, and Andrew, or Doc Zufferno, uh, to look at Berwick upon Tweed. Mm. I have to apologise, there's a bit of uh, issues with the uh, soundtrack during this uh, episode, so I've had to sort of move a few bits around. I hope it doesn't spoil anybody's enjoyment, but it can sometimes sound like there's like an electric razoring going on in the background. Uh, Either way, I hope you enjoy it. Episode 7, Series 3, Berwick Upon Tweed. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody. Episode 7, Series 3, 7... Uh Berwick on Tweed, we're at now. Berwick upon Tweed, everybody. Also known as the Flip Flop Town. Is it Scottish this week? Or is it English? Who knows? So I am joined uh today. Unfortunately, we have to say that th- there is a missing component, Ed Ed Foster, who unfortunately is not very well. So he uh he couldn't make it today. So uh get 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 well soon, Ed. Although by the time this comes out, you'll probably be celebrating a birthday or something it should be fun so uh, perhaps you'd like to uh, to introduce yourselves where should we start cat should we start with you
3: <laughs> yeah, it's like when at school when you go, not me not me first please no um hi i'm cat uh and i'm the editor of Nevermind the dice rolls hi i'm yeah.
0: kay uh, i'm a uh, academic um and grognard so i i like to think that i bring a slightly academic background to the table or perspective
1: thank you you mean you're clever <laughs> and, and finally
0: <laughs> now that's why there was a pause between academic so there was a pause academic that's what i say yeah
1: and uh finally
2: uh andrew um andrew cowie often known as doc um Tragically, not academic, but uh, I am quite groggy. So so I'm here to, I don't know, I'll be the lowest common denominator for the night. We're in Berwick,
1: uh, Berwick on Tweed. So we're still on the A1. So if you remember, the whole purpose of this was we're trying to find the way to keep the ways open between Scotland, Edinburgh nominally, and London, two great capitals, or two of the great capitals of the UK, and there are certain liminal interventions at waypoints along the way, one of those being Berwick-Upon-Tweed. So, what, what might be the reasons for the ways being shut and bringing the entire country to a grinding halt in Berwick-Upon-Tweed? Now, who would like to go first, or would you like me to go first?
2: I mean, if you ever say that, people are going to say, you go first, Dave, aren't we? No, every time I say it, someone says, I'll go first. Is that right? Yeah. You you get a bunch of (laughs) (laughs) keynotes.
1: Shall I go first, then, for a change?
4: Shall I? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) let's.
1: Right, Okay. So, Berwick-upon-Tweed. Now, Berwick-upon-Tweed has an extraordinarily curious symbol. Okay. Uh, Oh, Okay. And it is a a bear. It's a bear and a tree. Now, some people have said, have hinted, that this is a pun on the town's name because the tree is a witch elm, W-Y-C-H elm. So it's literally a bear witch, which is an extremely hilarious uh, pun if you're sort of I guess Anglo-Saxon or something but it, it isn't that's not true although actually partly true partly true and you mustn't forget obviously that elms are linked with melancholy and death uh, possibly because they drop their dead branches without warning which is a particularly sort of dangerous aspect to them now on the way here what we'll have is the players start to have a dream about Woods, uh, trees, uh, bears. Maybe this is just sort of foreshadowing before they get to Berwick. Now, the other thing about Berwick is the A1 or the Great North Road used to go through the center of town and used to go over the old bridge. And there's a saying that's associated again with Berwick, which is that during the temptation, while the evil one was showing uh, to the holy one all the kingdoms of the earth he kept berwick hidden beneath his stump wishing to reserve it as his own little nook so there's lots of peculiarities about berwick we've got bears we've got witch elms we've got the evil one uh tr- the the bridge that takes uh, the a1 up through the north uh, on the uh, uh on the on the side of the, it was moved the great uh, a1 the great north road was built in 1925. Before that, it's now the A1167, just to be a little bit sort of geographical about, uh, you know, a bit sort of nomenclature about um, these things, uh, goes over the old road bridge. And there's an interesting poem that describes Berwick and its bridge. There's more than one version, but the second less complimentary verse given here is attributed to Robbie Robbie Burns. So the people of Berwick have got this sort of notoriety to an extent. The the original one is Berwick is an ancient town, a church without a steeple, a pretty girl at every door and very generous people. The Burns version is a bridge without a middle arch, a church without a steeple, a midden heap in every street and damned conceited people. Robbie Burns, people, poet. Now, what you find is, many people know this, there is no middle arch, as it says in the bridge, that can be seen. However, if one has the sight, there is something there. What is in or rather under that uh, arch, the hidden arch, is a witch elm tree, possibly the last in England and possibly the only one that's still resistant to Dutch elm disease, which killed off all the others. Damn you, Dutchman. Uh, And in that tree is encased the form of an heroic young man of Berwick, who has been imprisoned to ensure that the way will always remain open. Now, the old forms of course are falling apart and he is about to revert to his normal form. And this hero is in fact, Thomas Seaton. There was a siege of Berwick. I don't know why this it's all of a sudden becomes story time, so apologies for this, but here we go. The siege of Berwick by the English began in earnest on April the 12th, 1333, under the leadership of Sir William Montague, who was joined by King Edward himself. King Edward, as we all know, Hammer of the Scots. Uh, that's not the, no, Hammer of the Gods, isn't it, in uh, the Immigrant Song? But Led Zeppelin wasn't wasn't written about Edward the <laughs> First. Hammer of the stud. No, it's wrong one. Now the siege was very long and very brutal. They deployed siege engines and catapults uh, shipped up from Yorkshire via Hull. Another claim to fame of Hull, not the least of which being my alma mater, one of the three great universities of uh, England: Hull, Cambridge, and Oxford. Everybody knows Cambridge is a shit hole, though. Uh, in a first for sieges, though, cannons were also used against the town. And the, the, the catapulting of carcasses of rotten animals were fired into the town to spread disease. Very, very long sort of uh, siege. This was very, very very unpleasant, as you can tell by that, that description. Now, uh, what can we say about uh, the siege itself, then? Uh, several of the English army carried the north in the Lothians and Persia under Edward, capturing Edinburgh Castle, but returning to find that Berwick had still not capitulated. And much of the town was in ruin, though, by the end of June. Berwick Castle was defended by Patrick of Dunbar, the Earl of March, while the town itself was defended by Sir Alexander Seton, the town's warden and governor. And on July the 11th, Seton requested a temporary truce, which King Edward granted, but in exchange for a hostage that included Seton's son. Thomas. The Thomas that we find under the middle arch of the bridge. How did he get there? There are question marks as to whether or not, and, and they were, the uh, the town were helped out by the liminal folk uh, to withstand the siege. But Edward had agreed that if Berwick was relieved from Scotland within five days, then the siege would end and Scottish control would be acknowledged. And the Scots were being reinforced by the liminal world okay the following day a group of scottish troops under sir william keith including werewolves including uh, some of the unseen they managed to make their way into berwick after crossing the town across a ruinous bridge from the tweed mouth on the english side of the river Sir William Douglas, who assembled a large Scottish army, requested that Edward now end the siege as part of the agreement to the truce, threatening to raid and harry across Northumberland if Edward did not do so. However, King Edward did not accept the arrival of Sir William Keith as a reef of Berwick because he was a duplicitous hammer of the Scots that he was. On the on the technicality, this is this is how awfully he is, excuse me. <laughs> technicality that Keith had entered Berwick from England rather than Scotland. And to make a point about what he saw as a breaking of the terms of a truce and forced Berwick into surrender, Edward set up a gallows just outside the defences of Berwick to place later called Hanger Dyke Nook. Now, Nunook Cacabra, if you're listening, I'm not sure whether you were named after that, here he hanged his most prominent hostage, and who do you think it was? Everybody, Thomas, Thomas Seaton, hanged him, as his father looked on from the town walls, and all of those liminals looked out too. He also threatened that further hangings would follow. A great tragedy for Alexander Seaton. That's a bit underselling it, actually. A great, it was a great tragedy for Alexander Seaton. We've recently lost two other sons (laughs) in engagements with the English. Not a very lucky soldier, Alexander Seaton. It's all a
0: bit not saving Private Seaton, isn't
1: it? That's what it's going to be called now this episode. If I I win, (laughs) saving Thomas Seaton. So, uh, taking command to William Keith agreed a fresh truce with Edward, I wouldn't have agreed anything with him personally, on July the 15th, agreeing to surrender the town if it was not relieved by July the 20th. Douglas, in the meantime, responded by besieging Bamborough Castle, where Queen Philippa was staying. However, Edward was confident that Bamborough was secure and he would not be drawn away from Berwick. Instead, he moved it to Halladon Hill in preparation for a battle where Douglas, realising the futil- futility of the Bamburgh siege, with the deadline of the pr- truce approaching, moved His army to Duns in the Scottish border, about 10 miles to the west. So big battle then ensues. I'll I'll try and summarise this now. Uh, And the English are somewhat hemmed in on the hilltop. Uh, Scott's army coming up from Berwick. uh, uh, And um, before... One one slight thing, which I'll probably introduce into the scenario at some stage. Before the battle has ensued, a man-to-man fight is said to have taken place between a young English knight of Norfolk called Sir Robert Hale, and a Scottish giant by the name of Turnbull, a border surname, with the giant assisted by a Mastiff dog. The giant was no match for the swordsmanship of the agile young knight, and both the giant and the dog were slain. They slay the dog. The giant lost his head. So the young giant was, in fact, Gog. And maybe the Mastiff dog was Magog in their alternative forms. So bringing a bit of a bit of Gog and Magog, making appearances again. Anyway, after the stalemate, it was it was the Scots who eventually broke the deadlock and attacked. They formed four units, blah, 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 blah. I'll, 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 I'll nip to the end anyway and get to get to the actual point of it. There's lots of very famous people who fought in it. Uh, the Black Douglas, obviously, Earls of Athol, Carrick, Lennox of Sutherland. Uh, and uh, however, uh, they were defeated. Uh, and they surrendered uh, town the town to Edward, who appointed Lord Henry Percy as the new warden. Uh, of the town with Thomas of Bamborough taking on the important role of Berwick's chancellor. So, however, before they'd given it up, they'd managed to retrieve the body of Thomas Seaton and the Scots had planted the seal on the old bridge, ensuring Thomas Seaton's spirit, enshrining rather Thomas Seaton's spirit inside the central arch, aided in this ritual by one of the witches of North Berwick. Now, we do know that obviously James of First and Sixth then had lots of witch trials at North Berwick. Uh, and there was a covenant there at the time at times of change or duplicity from the monarch Seton reverts to his form the bridge falls will fall and the ways will remain shut having found out this outrageous act of liminal sabotage edward iii challenged the percy family the dukes of northumberland to keep the ways open and be ready to fight by tooth and claw to stop the bridge from falling down however Percy took this very literally and installed a retainer, the very same Sir Roger the Bear, Ben Hale, giant slayer, to make sure that the bridge remained intact. Stop him from reverting to human form. So how does the scenario work? There's some cracks that have appeared in the old bridge and there's some faint moaning and sobbing has been heard. Possibly some hanging noises. I've not figured that out yet. Uh, but the descendant of of Ben Hale is a big old unit capable of transforming himself into bear form and he has been reported to police as he's become increasingly irascible and aggressive you know bar fights brawling in the streets and so on and he can no longer control his rage he will transform literally into a bear once Thomas Thomas Seaton emerges from his tree form to being human again now here's the crux of the scenario right Somehow, the PCs have to try and resolve this dilemma. Do they make the unlucky Seton revert to human form and live some form of life he'd been denied the first time round? Can they stop the bear from killing Seton, closing the ways for good, and thus encompassing all of Edward the First's horrific plans? Are FCMC, the corporation, the D corporation, getting involved in the plans to ensure that Seton leaves? Or do they stand back and watch the entire bonfire go, grow up, go up? Do they bring back Gog and Magog in to fight the bear again? Who knows? So my scenario is the bear, the witch elm, the crumbling bridge, uh, the madness of a dilemma. Do they make somebody who was transformed into a tree on his deathbed Go back to being a tree. He doesn't want to be a tree anymore, anybody. He doesn't want to be a tree. Or do they just stand back and let it all go up? And that's it.
2: Excellent.
4: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Follow that, somebody else.
0: Yeah. Also, not me.
2: So, would you like
1: to go next, NK?
0: Well, in that case, my, my little flavours, because I, I think the problem was is that I started to do what I usually do when I come on this podcast, which is, you know, <laughs> so open up PowerPoint or in this case, OneNote uh, I, and crack my knuckles and go, let's go on, on, to, on a research journey. And I did that. And then I kind of s- just slid sideways <laughs> <throughout> <laughs> a, a whole bunch of really weird stories, because my problem um, was that I fairly early on came across the writings of John Mackay Wilson, J.M. Wilson, who's who's famous for uh, collating lots and lots of folktales uh, around Scotland, but also yeah. quite a few uh, folktales around the border regions. And he had a couple uh, of things written about Berwick. So I was like, oh, this is really great. And and this is where I found out about the concept of the Red Hall, So the Red Hall is a location and or historical event that I think would be absolutely brilliant to to bring into our scenario in some way. Um, And uh, his story about the the Red Hall is set in 1296, where the English invade in the middle of a prominent wedding in the town. Um, And the bride and the groom and the father-in-law and all the wedding guests essentially just stop the wedding and all take up arms and fight heroically to the death and the victory, despite 17,000 deaths in the town, apparently, and the heroes themselves perishing in the collapse and burning of the Red Hall whilst crying, quote, liberty. So we have some extreme high drama happening here in that we have some some high-value uh, some some high value members of, of society. Um, we have Isabel, the Bride who I thought you know we could have some really great hauntings here um so I felt that ghosts could be a thing what I haven't managed to find out is exactly where this red hall was seeing as it it seemed to just be somewhere where uh it was something to do with the the Flemish for wealthy wealthy Flemings who had erected this immense building called the the red hall situated where the wool market now stands so I, I need to Take a good look at exactly where that is map-wise if we need to make that work. But I just love the idea of this Red Hall. I love the idea that it was, you know, it was a big, important building. Lots of things happened here. And there was this very kind of heroic last stand. Although it is just so funny how it's written, obviously, from the perspective of a Scotsman when when those awful English came up. And and there was a heroic victory in which 17,000 people died, including the three protagonists. Um, (laughs) But that does give us... I think, um, a lot of potential for some spooky action uh, and also some, uh, you know, we, we all know that none of none of the Fey folk like fire. In fact, nobody likes fire. Yeah. So that, that could be quite interesting. And then after I'd sort of got very deep into Wilson's tales and, and wept a little bit, because this is the problem of, of working at a university where you have access to all 21 volumes of his stories... Uh, so I, I had is, to is
1: knowing when to stop.
0: He's knowing when to stop. So I, I you know, I sort of went right. I'm going to stop here. I'm going to see see what else Beric has, has to to offer. And this is where I came across um, some other stuff that's sort of around the same era. So we're we're looking at the sort of th- 13th century here um, around this era about one of the very first accounts of a haunting. Or of a vampire in Britain is actually set in Berwick upon Tweed, and uh, there's some really good stuff um, by William Parvis, who was also known as William of Newburgh or Newbury, um, who is an Augustinian canon who wrote several accounts of these vampire cases. And the thing that I really like about the the Vampire of Berwick upon Tweed is that um, apparently. Satan contrived it that he would come out of his grave at night with this this vampire chap, um, where a very wealthy man. Who afterwards appeared a great rogue, having been buried after his death, sallied forth by the contrivance, as it is believed, of Satan, out of his grave by night, and was borne hither and thither, pursued by a pack of dogs with loud barkings. So we've got some, some <laughs> kind of black dogs here, which I thought, you know, well, these are great. Oh,
4: they're, yes, they're going to
0: they're going to feature quite nicely, and especially if we've got kind of werewolves in there. There is the question of whether the werewolves will ally with this pack of dogs or whether the pack of dogs will be uh, considered to be antagonists and and a sort of rival kind of clan. But it kind of goes on and on. And essentially um, what happened historically was that they they procured 10 young men renowned for boldness who were to dig up the horrible carcass. This is quoting what it says. And having cut it limb from limb, reduce it to food and fuel for the flames. So again, we've got this idea of fire and i thought oh maybe ah. we can we can conflate these two you know if we have a a, a well the death of a wealthy man who becomes a vampire then perhaps that could have been the groom or the father in law and we can start bringing the the red hall into this as well
4: oh, and, like and that. Bring
0: those two together
4: yeah and yeah yeah
0: the thing that i really loved about this story though about this sverig upon vampire is that after he had been uh, reduced to ash um a tranquility appeared to be restored to them, but a pestilence arose in consequence. Yes, yeah, yeah. so, so a pestilence arose around around this, this situation. Um, and this brings me sort of circular-wise back to what you were talking about, David, with the witch elm, because I also found out about the witch elm on, on the heraldry mm. and the fact that it was considered as a panacea and was taken as a powder, an extract, or as an elixir, even in baths. And it was good for the nerves, the chest, the stomach, and presumably also a great pestilence brought on by burning a vampire. Or, so or the
1: pestilence of vampirism.
0: Or the pestilence of vampirism. So I felt that the, the, the witch elm could be there as, <laughs> as something that needs to be obtained by our intrepid adventurers, to either um, thwart the vampire, uh, the Berwick-upon-Tweed vampire, or, um, as, you know, whether the, any sort of pestilence sort of comes along, that it might be something that they can use. And, and because my ex- my own experience of Berwick is, is very limited, I have yeah. literally just been through it on the train to Edinburgh, like I think everybody else has, right? <laughs> but um, one of the things I really love about it is, the, is where the track gets so close to the coast, And when you look at Berwick itself, the the, the train tracks, you know, they're really pretty much right on the edge. And then Berwick is kind of cut between this, it's this sliver of land between the iron of the train tracks and the moving water of the tweed, which, of course, will keep vampiric activity quite contained. And I love the idea of this sort of bottleneck or gauntlet. And hopefully, if the map Permits, and I haven't put the red hall somewhere entirely different. I'm really hoping it's on this one. This, I'm hoping it's the correct side of the river. Is what I'm hoping <laughs> it is. We'll need to check that. Um, but I'm hoping we can, we the idea is that we can we can start to to sort of really make this a very narrow bottleneck, forcing you know railroading, as it were, <laughs> our <laughs> our party quite literally through this very small sliver of space because of various other liminal things that they cannot control, or that might actually affect them themselves, depending on which characters they've chosen. Brilliant, Ooh.
1: brilliant, good, like that.
0: That was a brief
1: version.
2: Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> no, <incredible>. Sorry.
1: <laughs> oh dear. Okay, so, so we we currently have we have the witch elm featuring twice now with old, uh, poor little weepy Seaton. Or we have this, uh, v- is it a vampire wedding?
4: Well,
0: it could be a vampire wedding. It could be uh, uh, a wedding which resulted in some kind of vampirism, uh, possibly vampirism disrupting a wedding. But whatever it was, it ended in flames, which could result in a haunting, or we could stick with the vampire angle.
1: Is Isabel the Bride...
0: Isabel the is the bride
1: of the rich, uh, William well, she, Parvis.
0: She's the daughter of a rich merchant. The daughter of
1: a rich mm. Brilliant. Okay, all right, plenty well, to play with there. Okay, like that. Uh, who might like to go next? Well, I, I'm, I'm gonna
3: dump him, to him before. <laughs>
2: I okay, really quickly put a put a, you know a lady vampire in mine, or otherwise I don't think Dave's gonna go for it. But if that would be unfair. Shall I I'll
3: give you in? some I'll give you some time to do that, shall I, Thank while you. I with you
4: on? That. <laughs>
3: well, um again, I've like Kay, I've got loads of little bits that can probably go on to somebody else's better played out thing. Um first off, as we know when I was here for London, um ravens. Berwick does have ravens, um, and in fact, they've been noted from the account of Leopold von Viedel in 1584. There are many ravens in this town, which it is forbidden to shoot upon a payment of a crowns of upon a pain of a crown's payment, for they're considered to drive away bad air. What bad air? They're on the coast. I mean, bad vibes something going on. Um, um, so I'm going to bring back my old friends of ravens because I do feel that they can pop up nearly everywhere in the UK because they do, they're birds. Um,
1: and, and, and the ravens were the, uh, f- they were the, were they the, either the transformed wizards of the ravens tower or they were the familiars who were really in control, wasn't it?
4: Yeah,
3: they're either they're either old wizards that have transformed themselves to live longer, or they were, or they're just the wizards themselves, just in another form, messing around a little bit. You know, as you do. I mean, if you, you're that powerful in magic, why would you stay human? Right. I mean, you can be a bird. Um, <laughs> um, some comments there, I'm sure that could be made. Um, but other than that, also Beric. Is on one of the major is on the ley lines that run roughly from Bournemouth, kind of vaguely nearing uh Greenwich and then sort of shooting up in various places, but it is actually on the ley line. So yeah. because it's on the ley line, you do get a lot of ghost and fairy sort of phase stuff going on. So I kind of when I was reading up on the history of it, uh, there is a lot of ghost stories around this this region there is also a lot of fae stories around this region. So I'm kind of wondering if perhaps the ghost realm and the fae realm have got somewhat slightly intertwined, and this could also be causing the the issue with young Stephen because someone's going to have to win sooner or later. Um, The ghosts are obviously going to be very angry, uh, pro-English on one side, pro-Scottish on the other. So you could, because of the the way the, the bridge is designed and... With the tree in the middle, that could be stopping the um the ghost realm from actually fighting, get it all out.
4: Ooh.
3: Maybe they planted the tree deliberately there to block the fairy realm from coming out, hence, they're probably whispering in Sethan's ear saying, Come on, mate, go back to being human, let us out. Because that could also do it. Because I would like to say, if there was a lot of liminals involved, and if I was the Hammer of the Scots or whatever side, and I wanted to win, I'd be blocking liminals from coming in. So yeah. I would block the Fae Realm if I could, and possibly the Ghost Realm if I knew about it. So okay. those. Uh, there are loads. of some great names for some of the Fae in in this. In, in Berwick and the Borders. There's there's tons of great ones. Whoopity Story I thought was great. That's their version of Rumpelstiltskin. You've also got a lot of Sears. So there could be a seer in the town as well. Uh, Thomas Rymer was one of the most famous ones. He was given... um, I think he was given the gift by the Fairy Queen. saying Mm -hmm. he is in her realm, apparently. But, um, yeah, that that was my whole take on it. Ley lines, ravens, and blocking blocking of um, the other realms from the mortal world. So that would be a great contemptuous thing to burst open at some stage.
1: Yeah, okay. Although,
3: so the Ravens... uh... did, did, did you say the the,
1: the, um, the name for uh, the fake Rookity
3: Story? No, Whoopity. Whoopity Story. Oh, it's probably Stovey, probably, I suspect. But uh, as I said, I just saw this name and just thought, oh, that's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> There are some great ones, and also apparently the Borders are known for being more of a home to the Brownie Fay, so the little mischievous kind of might, might be helpful around home, might not be helpful around home, depending on how treated. But there's there's an awful lot of them up and around that region. I suspect Scotland's just awash with Fay, quite frankly. Um, I did like those, but the uh, the only thing I was sort of wondering was whether the the uh, the the bridge was stopping a lot of liminal stuff and there was a blockage but within liminal world it's copper that does it and not iron so i don't think that, that aspect's going to work for this game but uh, although that,
1: that, could, that could be that could be your big bad it's not copper it's iron
3: or alternative a that bridge has, is also used for things like the telephone lines etc because it's stable to go across they're usually copper Yeah, like it. And but nowadays it's being changed to fibre so the copper's going because you wouldn't leave that amount of copper on a bridge when you can flog it so uh, could that now be the reason for the cracks appearing because that's not interfering anymore with the uh, with the fae from doing their thing
1: so, the PCs have got to become BT engineers.
3: <laughs> so, the campaign's going to last roughly about 50 years because that's about the time, you know, it takes some weeks to get around local. Can you imagine trying to get <laughs> to <the> Berwick? <laughs> the,
1: the whole city? Never. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. So, we have the Ravens making a return, which is, I, I, I don't think we used the Ravens enough actually ley lines, ghosts and face stuff, and then there's this intertwining of the ghosts and fae. Is one stopping the other or is something in the middle of the, the bridge stopping them going across? We've got the whoopity story with the brownies and the seer Thomas Weimer, gifted by the Fairy Queen. Right.
3: I mean, Good. the bride of, the, bride of the, the vampire could have been a um, a um, what, what's a marriage of alliance or something between the fae and vampires, because there is a vampire council. So perhaps, you know, somebody wanted to put a stop to that, because that could have been a real power couple.
2: So we come to you, finally. Doc, what are we going for? <laughs> Well, here comes the anticlimax. Um, obviously, I've had a chance to listen to these things, and I thought, you know, um, you know, I, I was looking at this as right. This is the second last scenario in the campaign, so I was thinking, right, okay. So we need to sort of. I mean, it's really difficult because you know the, the everyone will have been encountering different NPCs. They would like different NPCs. Really keen to make sure that we set up the threat, thread up the big bad. Know there's something bad going to happen. Maybe give them a chance to get an ally or some informational weapon uh, i too was very keen on the fae side which meant sneaking into scotland not least because the ravens tower smug gets with all their allies with the fae doesn't count in scotland read the book sonny so uh so if i can get if i come into the scottish borders um, all bets are off as far as the fae go and as cat has already said there are you know certainly tens of awesome fae in the scottish borders we can be looking at now from what i've heard if you want a chance to be picked here you need two things ideally tories should be in there somewhere and beer so uh, you know <laughs> uh, I, that, that's where i started uh, can i get fae tories and beer into a scenario um, i wasn't quite sure how the you know how people would be travelling and i wanted to make sure that they would be involved and i've got a big budget so um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you're traveling. When okay. the when the party get to Berwick, there is, the border is closed. Now this isn't visible to the, you know, to the non-initiated, but the fae can't get through. Dampiers can't get through. Werewolves can't get through. If you've got second sight, there's a massive ribbon of light across the border blocking the way. Um, this has obviously caused um, uh, uh, a degree of, Concern. no one's quite sure what's going on. Now I mean I too could I could quote history of Berwick with dates. I could do that, but I'm not gonna. Um let <laughs> us all agree that um anyone who knows anything about magic is aware of the King's Arm Arms Hotel in Berwick. Um yeah. uh, one of the most ancient of the of uh, the pubs around there burnt down mysteriously in early 19th century, won't give the date. Um, and I'm sure someone in the party can find out where it is and they head there. Now, it's it's known to be a place inhabited by fae and travelers. Um, uh, interestingly, you know, setting it up as a scenario, wizards are banned because wizards are the ones that burnt it down. So, you know, you have a bit of a chat. You've got Terence, the bouncer on the outside. He looks like a bit of a thug, but there's something squirming in his head. You can see it behind his eyes, you know. So <laughs> that gives you a chance for the party to go in and have a chat. You can have a few previous NPCs that they love, all pissed off that they can't get through. You can, you can have your Gog. You can have your Magog. All the people, you know, Anyone they've liked might be sitting there being grumpy. And having Terence the bouncer just looking down on them together with the enchantments rendered in this place means they can talk, but they can't fight. So, again, gives you a chance to set up fights at a later date. You have a bit of a chat. Um, you know, this place not only has got enchantments and runes, but has got live entertainment from Tommy, the rhymer, um, who has already <laughs> appeared in Cat's uh, thing. And he's up there. He's spitting bars Things, you know, there's a bit of a chat going on. Uh, Eventually it becomes, you know, people get talking. How do you get through this barrier? Uh, Tommy says he knows a way. He can get through um, uh, uh, from the pool at Blindburn Bridge under through the hidden ways. He can take you to the cheese well near Trachea House. It's known as the Cheese Well because you used to have to bribe the Faye with cheese or otherwise bad things would happen to you. Excellent.
0: Well, this is very disappointing. I'm sorry, but Cheese Well sounds to me like Bucket into the depths. Bucket comes back with cheese. If that isn't a thing, I'm afraid I'm just not going to be able to vote for it
2: for you. It, it is a thing. It's definitely <laughs> okay, a that's It, what it was talking. known <laughs> as the Cheese Well. Because you would put a bucket down into it, and cheese would come out. <laughs> I was about to say until someone rudely interrupted me. Uh, so apologies. anyway, uh, Tommy next, takes you into
1: ne- next door to the cracker mines. Yeah.
2: Exactly. <laughs> See, collaborative. This is how we're working. So Tommy yeah. takes you into the Northumberland Forest. You, you know, you dive down under. Um, uh, you know. Do as much fancy stuff as you want, but you're under, you know, you're going down into the blind burn, into the water. You're traveling under the earth. Um, but the way is guarded. The way is guarded by a kelpie. Of course it's guarded by a kelpie. Um, we're all familiar with kelpies. There's a lovely picture of one in the book. You can use that. Um, uh, if you want, you can call her Mary Whiskadoo, um, which would be <laughs> whiskey. I mean, I'm sure whisker, we all know that's water. Whiskabaha. Yeah um uh, uh and do is dark so married dark water she's a kelpie there maybe she starts off friendly maybe you try and bribe her with cheese um depends with the you know do you want to fight if you don't want to fight she's bribed with cheese if she wants a fight she takes the cheese but no she sh- she shifts into a black horse with far too many teeth and attacks bit of a fight bit of a thing you know perhaps you could drop some hints when lord william closes the border it stays closed you know maybe a few hints about what's going on uh, a, a mad whinny if anyone's good at whinnying um uh, you know this is your chance so you know it's a role-playing genius um yeah uh, but eventually you emerge you're out on Moor near trachea house ho- home of the oldest brewery in scotland um uh probably I mean, there's like 50 oldest breweries <laughs> in Scotland, but that's at least one of them in Um uh, You know, famed Mary Queen of Scots loved it. So anyway, so you're near there, but we're actually going to slightly bypass the brewery and we're going to go straight on uh, uh, to Innerleithland, which is that wee town at the base of Track Air House, And there, there is trouble. You can see there's a group, the, the Nats, the Nationalists, um, uh Something's got them all stirred up. These Scottish, I apologize, Scottish nationalists are sometimes known as Nats. Um, and the ones that, you know, their traditional enemies are the Unionists. And there is a Union house there in um, in, in lethal at the base. Um, and as Dave is about to point out, it's the Conservative and Unionist Party. So mm, what are we going to do? So. If you want to talk dilemmas, we've got dilemmas here. Because we've got the gnats, there's there's something unnatural in their eyes. They're celebrating, they're throwing rocks. Um, uh, But, you know, uh, get yourself out of here. There's no way for witches in this place, anymore. But let's say they manage to sort something out. Inside, you've got the bar. There's a tweed-suited chap. About as a Scottish Tory as you can get. He's got a tweed (laughs) suit on. Um, He's great. You know, the shattered glass, broken table. Donald Henderson is there in his bluff tweed suit. But behind him in the kitchen is his daughter, Rachel. Um, You know, she's flustered. Um, Maybe if you've got diviners, maybe if you're just good at spotting things, she's got a a sheep's bone, a sheep scapula. It's a spiel bone. She's a frither. She uses a slinier hook. The div- Scottish divining through use of a scapula, and if we're Ooh. not going to do that now, when are we? <laughs> so I'm sure there can be discussions. Maybe the party of diviners, you work it out. But it's clear there's something going wrong down in um, uh, down to the south. A great evil, Lord William. Now um, we can have a little bit of a background there, if we're going to do an info dump. Lord William de Soules of Hermitage Castle, famously famously was an evil, cruel man. He he made a deal with a powery, brackets, red cap, um, uh, oh. and was rendered invulnerable to weapons. Um, and nothing could harm him unless he was encircled with ropes of sand. Um, now, opinions differ at this point. He was either A, drowned, B, boiled, C, boiled in lead, D, surrounded by lead ropes filled with sand and then just killed, Um could have been any of these things. Um uh but anyway, he was a great evil and he was killed. But our big bad, whoever that is, I don't think we've necessarily nailed that down. I mm-hmm. think there were sort of hints it might be Theodore D, the, the eighth child of John D. Um, famously, maybe not D's son, could have been the son of Edward Kelly, famed for communicating with angels maybe Faye, but I'm sure you'll be looking at that who the big bad is but the big bad up in Edinburgh has stirred things up he wants to block the road um and Desoul- um, and he's got deuls back um uh, and of course along with him is Robin Redcap the uh, the powery who um who initially um gave him these enchanted powers so the party yeah. are moving towards that as they travel I don't care how they travel doesn't matter they bump into Robin Redcap um he looks a bit like a he looks a bit like a a seven-year-old boy in a Shepherd's smock um he's got a red cap he's got a crook um those with good eyes can see great iron boots beneath the smock and he engages there is conversation involved as they talk his age shifts from seven-year-old to doddering old man to muscular youth um you know perhaps if he gets bored in the middle um at some point, one of the sheeps, one of the sheep nearby moves. he somersaults through the air, launched by his boots, lands on the sheep, squishing it um into blood, and his crook leaps, you know, he f- swipes it, and a great blade comes out of the crook, cutting a lamb in half. And as he talks, He soaks his cap in the blood of the squash sheep and his mouth is impossibly large as he crams half a lamb into his mouth. Teeth everywhere.
1: He's unpleasant.
2: He's very I mean, red (laughs) cap, you don't want to mess with a red cap. Um, uh, That's why his his cap is red with blood. But he doesn't want sheep's blood. He wants the blood of a human or perhaps a, you know, who's in the party? You. You are part wolf. You are a vampire. I would have your blood. Perhaps we can come to a deal in some way. Um, so I don't know. Set it up. Maybe there's a competition. If you know, uh, if uh, if Robin wins, he gets your blood to soak his hat. If he loses, he will tell you of Desoulis and his enchantments. You know. Set it up. Have a fight. Again, bit of a punch up. All sorts of fey nastiness. Eventually, we get to the Hermitage Castle, which is surrounded also by magical power. A great. A great, I don't know, radiation of power. I don't know what you call this. If only we had an academic here who could tell us exactly what that would sound like. But um, uh, (laughs) you can still see cars in the car park and shuffling around uh, various tourists who've just been possessed by the magic around them. Gives you a chance to throw in your favorite uh, stereotypes. Maybe an American. Maybe a Geordie. You pick them. Have a few families around the place being sort of shuffling zombie types. Maybe fight with them. Maybe just sort of push them out of the way. Maybe rescue them. But up on the top of the tower is the drowned corpse of William de Soules. The evil eye is stamped on his head. Or, as I'm pretty sure Dave was going to tell me right now, um, you don't call it the evil eye. You call it the ondrakul, which is Scottish for evil eye. And you know, there we That's, go. It
1: was on the tip of my tongue.
2: I know you were going to. So it's that mm. you have a fight. You know, he's very. You know, he's cross with you, you Southron poltroons, um, uh, you know, <laughs> set it up. He curses you. There's curses. There's withering. There's magic. There's all sorts of things. When he dies, assuming he dies, there is a great tolling of the deed bill. Dong, dong, dong. And somewhere far to the north, you hear the anger and fury of someone thwarted. Brackets. Whoever the deed is. Um, and then a vampire lady appears but no i mean that was as far as i got with that because i just, <laughs> as far as i it was supposed to end with a dead bill but i thought we could just put it a vampire lady so dave would vote for it that's what i've got the end wow a, a, a veritable tour de force yeah. <laughs> Everything I think think short of me taking my top off.
4: Uh,
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or indeed a kitchen sink.
1: Well, listen, you know, far be it from me to impose some sort of rule structure on this podcast. However, however, we and do no, have to come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be original. No. Uh right, we're going to have to take a vote so uh shall we go in reverse order then so well, let's, let's a quick recap quick recap so with myself it was you yeah, have thomas Seaton enshrined in a tree in the middle of the of the bridge of, on uh, the old bridge in berwick and somehow they the, the PCs have got to resolve the issues of do they make him turn back into a tree do they let the bear kill him again do they let the uh, the local uh uh the local people off the hook and um, and forever close the ways. What? How do we do? That? How do we do this? But there is essentially the solving of uh, of, of the conundrum of Thomas Seaton, much much uh, taken advantage of. I think Thomas, or do we have uh, from the stories of John Mackay Wilson the Red Hall, which is uh, uh, the uh, wedding party taking up arms against the English. The English here may be, may be embodied by somebody else, FCMC perhaps, who knows. But in the warm market, market does Isabel the Bride uh, bring the wedding party together, fighting against uh, the uh, possibly the vampire who has been pursued by these pack of black dogs, the werewolves? Is the vampire burnt in the flames of the Red Hall? Does the wedding party have to be engulfed in flames all over again? Or can we use the powdered elixir uh, made from the witch elm? Maybe Thomas Seaton's making another appearance. Who knows? Uh, but how do we resolve this issue of the big fight, the wedding party, destroying the town, etc.? cetera? Uh, or is it the ravens? The ravens of Berwick, who are returning on their ley lines, on their ley lines uh, to this area. Uh, The ghosts and Fae have been intertwined, but something is stopping the Fae or the witches crossing the bridge. Do we have to reinforce this? Is this rookety story all over again, everybody? Or as the seer Thomas Weiner, Weimer, who's got this gift uh, by the fairy queen, is he the real reason why the ways have either been kept open or alternatively closed to various people? Whoopity story, whoopity story has to come into it somewhere. Uh, brownies uh, and the brownies have they are they being stopped from going across the bridge by copper wiring? Could it be something as mundane as copper wiring? Everybody that we have to convert to f- to, uh, to fibre. Or alternatively, when we have Doc's uh, romance of the border region with the red cap. Uh, Berwick, the border is closed. There is a ribbon of light across Berwick. We have to go to the King's Arms Hotel, which seems to be this sort of neutral place. Wizard, wizard, wizards are banned though. Wizards are banned, everybody. Oh, Tommy the Rhymer is there He's giving an entertainment, but he can get us through the bridge. He can get us through the, through, through, through the blockage. He can get us through this ribbon. Possibly via the Cheese Well, everyone. The Cheese Well, for goodness' sake. Where once he gets us through this uh, through the, the ribbon, we encounter Mary Darkwater, the kelpie horse with too many teeth, uh, and we get out into Inner, inner in the House, which is out on Minch where the nationalists have been stirred up, and they're the absolute uh, enemy, the unionists, unionists in their tweed suits, whose daughter is a diviner tells us about Lord William, Lord William de Soullis. Lord William de Soullis, who's made a deal with a brownie. Brownies and cheese. What a food in this episode. <laughs> we did,
3: however, however, <laughs>
1: however, however, Robin Redcap, Robin Redcap is our man. He's in charge and pushing everything forward. And he wants the blood of a human or a werewolf, or a vampire, or a wizard, or whomever happens to be in the liminal party. Uh, and he will stamp on sheep, cut them apart, uh, bathe his uh, his headwear in their blood, and then eat half a lamb in one bite. And then the vampire lady appears. Barren. So, <laughs> so, <coughs> excuse me, who... Whom would like to vote first? Should we start? Cat, can we start with you? For whom are you voting? You cannot obviously uh, vote for the Ravens of Berwick making a a, a, a reappearance shortly before the BT engineers of Liminal.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's been worse crews in the world other than the BT gang bombing it up the uh, up the motorway. Um, I'm going to go with. I think I'm going to go with Seton. Uh, the reason is, is it gives us a good hanging point for everything else that will come from all the other angles. It gives a good hanging point of why there is a blockage and potentially, you know, a lovely moral dilemma for the crew. Do we do we lock this poor, poor bastard back up in a tree or do we let him go free and just hang the consequences? You've got a lot of moral dilemma. You really do. So I'm, I'm going to go with Seaton.
1: Andrew, Doc, can we come to you now? Where would you like to place your vote, bearing in
2: mind you cannot vote for your red cap slaughtering sheep? The um, Well, I mean, why would I want to when you've got a wedding with vampires um, uh, and, uh, and the hated English and... <laughs> Um, uh, you know, crowds of ghosts forming a massive battle army, uh, with the players caught up in the middle. Um, you know, y- you had me at vampire red wedding.
1: <laughs> the vampire red wedding,
2: fantastic! Vote for
1: Kay there. Did John Mackay, all that John Mackay Wilson. please uh, research Kay off. Kay we come to you now. Now. That's oh, this is—you can't is vote good. for the vampire wedding,
0: which is probably a good thing. Seeing as all as all it is is a loosely connected bunch of people and locations and happenings, and doesn't really actually have much of a plot to hang it together. So, um, I think <laughs> I think what, you know Doc was very kind to me there, implying that there was something that, that connected them. Um, it is really hard because yeah, I'm not very good at the, the kind of big picture stuff, and and I really like sort of small contained things so i'm i'm i I really love the ravens because ravens just win generally um but i also like the sort of the ravens the lee lines and the the blocking of other other realms i think is really neat and this idea of bringing it making it fully contemporary with the removal of fiber (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, the removal of composite so that we can have fibre in there is just absolutely great. So um, I really want to vote for Cat, but of course that'll be one vote each, and then we're all doing this circular voting. And I suppose well, you get the casting vote, don't you? Anyway, uh, Dave.
1: Now I have a horrible feeling. Actually, the person who will get the casting vote on this will be Dr. Mitch, ah. because much as I much as I do, and I genuinely the, the Vampire Red Wedding. Is is brilliant. I don't think we've had a Robin Redcap with his mad, malign sheep murdering. <laughs> I, I can't think about it. I can't think of it. If there's a bit anything like, is there actually anything about
2: Redcaps in Liminal? I think it mentions them, but there's not a lot of, not enough detail. Hey.
4: Not so, detail.
2: so, so to, to, to sort of answer your question,
1: but also to to give my vote. I'm, I am voting for Doc. I'm voting for Robin Redcap. And I'm going to send it down the line to Dr. Mitch to figure it out. Because, as you said, there's, there's four really, 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 really different ideas in there. I love the vampire, the idea of the vampire red wedding, as you said. That's brilliant. You've got that. You're absolutely right. It's it's almost so genius. It's mundane, isn't it? Copper wire going across the bridge has been removed. What a brilliant idea, being replaced by fibre. And then we've got, you've got this mad chase through the cheese well <laughs> and the ribbon of force across Berwick. I think that's absolutely meeting, finally, Robin Redcap, the lunatic. And then we've got there's this uh, about the moral dilemma. Did we ch- do we turn do we turn this young man who've been murdered for goodness sake? Turn him back into a tree? How unfair would that be? Life had only just begun. So I am going to send it that So fantastic. Brilliant. It's a four-way tie. It's, it sounds a little bit, you know, like everyone's a winner. We all Everyone get a medal. <laughs> we all get a medal here. Exactly. <laughs> However, we do have. Uh, one more uh, thing we have to do, which is what was your suggestion either for the big bad or alternatively? What is it we would like to introduce into uh, the liminal universe? So I'll go in reverse order first. Uh, uh, Doc, Andrew, uh, it's you first. What was your your big bad? What was it you were going to be introducing into
2: but I mean, I, I was keen not to introduce any sort of massively new thing at this stage. I, what I wanted to do was to amplify what had already been, you know, had already been around. Yeah. So uh, I mean, really, the you know, so I wanted to set up. Obviously, it's slightly difficult because we vaguely talked about this decorporation in the bit, but it hasn't really yeah. been. I mean, because what you'd like to be doing in the campaign is like dropping little hints about what they're doing and having them popping yeah. in every time. But then you yeah. just sound like, well, I don't want to slag anyone off. <laughs> Jim so well, <laughs> I'd like to vote for something really good from a previous one which was you know I don't want to sound like that someone's already said it so um so I'm happy to go with the whole D thing the Theodore D is a big bad we would just keep going with that but what I thought we could give the party here would be a pair of red cap iron boots um uh you know, uh, let's see if you can get them by hook or by crook. They're famed for their travel powers, their uh, their ability to oh. get you from one place to another. That's got to help somewhere, right? So um, having a pair of great hobnailed iron sh- boots still crusted slightly with sheep um, on the bottom. I, I can't think of anything that a party would like more. lamb sold iron boots. There you go. Lovely, good. You should have been a salesman, thank you.
1: Freeman Hardy Willis, 20 years behind the belt. Oh, I've never worked there, sorry. Uh, what powers do they have? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Cat, what was it you going to uh, use as your sort of either big bad or you know, what's the what are you introducing in this?
3: Oh, I think, um I'm, oh, ooh, the big bad's tempting, but no. um Although the big bad, I would honestly say we should be looking at the ghost run but no, let's not go with that one. I'd like to see more things that are mundane rather than actually liminal, because, the non-liminal world interferes with the liminal world quite a lot, and I don't think we ever really focus enough on that. We always go for the supernatural because it's really cool. But sometimes it is something mundane like copper wire that that some you know somebody went down and just laid down because it's the most convenient thing for humans to use <laughs> without thinking about anyone else who was like going, Hey Nod, I can't go and see Grand now. you bastard. Yeah. I just would like to see a little bit more mundane every so often, so that people do think that don't immediately go, "Oh, yes, it's definitely a vampire or it's definitely a werewolf." It could be. Is this? Is a? Is it the Waterboard? For God's sake, just something a bit more mundane in it.
1: It's the sort of law of unintended consequences, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. No, we've, we've now had to put in all that. All that copper wire that was over there that was protecting X from X. the law of unintended consequences. You see, now
3: we actually know that the, the you know the Conservative Party are the party for evil because they wanted to keep the copper wiring to keep down the fay. There's poor Corbyn going, no, fibre for everybody. Let's free the Faye, It'll be fine for England.
1: Lovely, lovely. I think that's a great idea. The mundanity, yeah. Uh, K. What was it you were thinking about uh, introducing?
0: Well, I'm going to take a, another little dash left field because you know that's what I do—is <laughs> I sidestep. Now I'm, I'm like Zoidberg in my sideways movement of this. Um, but one of the first things that I looked at was the name, obviously Beric, coming from bear, meaning barley. And I'm like, why is John Barleycorn not in Liminal so far? Because he's—he's the Tom Bombadil of of Liminal, I reckon he should be there. <laughs> so the docs go like, no. Um, but I thought that John Barleycorn, <laughs> being being very, you know, being a biggest a, a, a Scottish legend, and icon, and hero,
4: um,
0: that might be interesting to have as an antagonist as a big bad partly because of his ubiquitous power in Scotland and if we are heading further north with the party as we go he could become more important later on or sort of lead into into more oh. kind of Scottish folklore yeah. um but also you know John Barleycorn must die is what Robert Burns said and I think that that is because he's, lo- he's almost like this kind of Christ-like figure. Uh, the lyrics to Robert Burns' version of the song are, there were three kings to the east, three kings both great and high, and they had sworn a solemn oath, John Barleycorn must die. So the idea was that John Barleycorn had to die in order for to sort of rise again and, and um, you know, essentially sort of bring great fortune and stuff to everyone else. That's the whole point of the barley, is that you have to harvest yeah. it. So I thought, actually, you know, can we have the wrath of John Barleycorn? Even though that has absolutely sod all to do with <laughs> vampires and red weddings. But this is what happens when, when you look to history and folklore and you don't actually string it together. You just go, this is all really cool. And, and it's because, you know, I come from a games background where we think in terms of unique selling points and not necessarily in terms of narrative. So yeah, yeah. So yeah there's, a, there's a lot to fight there. But John Barleycorn would be my, my choice for big bad. In Beric,
1: Like it. Okay. At me. So I was going to go for um, a, a sort of a slight wrinkle. He's appeared a few times in this sort of narrative and, and arguably, you could say, is one of those uh, divisive people throughout history, revered as a fantastic king by some, and revered as an absolute nightmare by others, and I was going to say Edward the First, Longshanks. I think Edward the First has some peculiar hold over the relationship between Scotland and England, and I think Edward the First is a uh, is a is a figure that could be recurring as we move into Scotland. He has to have. There's got to be something. He's some sort of residual. He was so intent on destroying the Scots. I think there's got to be something in there, and and I think he, he is would be in direct lineage, obviously from because he wasn't a plant we not Plantagenet yet then, were we? So he's in direct lineage from William, the Conqueror. Or was he? Was he Anyway, I'm, 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 I'm conflating. with Edward I is my big bad. I'm going to say Edward I is somebody who's continuing the things that uh, William the Conqueror started. And he is a big node. So, we have the pair of red cap iron boots. Brilliant. Don't know what powers they've got yet. However... There's a couple of occasions when going back in time is important. So, hmm. uh, we have a cat with the mundanity, the, the sorts of examples of c- copper wire being replaced, the law of unintended consequences. I think it's great. Uh, K with a bear, which John Barlicorn, however, John Barlicorn must die. I well, it probably burns out against John I mean, get more in uh, or or it's Edward the First from me. So uh, I'll start again. Top top left celebrity squares cat.
4: Who are you voting uh,
3: for? I'm going to have to say the 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 little goblin inside me goes magic item, please, sir. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> so I'm going to go with Bates
3: Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Uh, I think yeah who doesn't want kit everybody wants kit plus red cap iron boots sound extremely stylish and i don't want to be you know that woman who's got a shoe fixation but i would definitely be up for some of them
2: not
1: made by doc martin
4: uh
1: doc you can't vote for your, your red cap boots i'm afraid
2: well, sure. Who would want to? Um, uh, uh, I mean, I'm not going to vote for Edward the First because I live in Scotland and I want to stay here. Um, tempted though I am, I'm not going to vote for a steel-eyed span song either. <laughs> no.
4: um, uh,
2: uh, uh, the cat's idea of developing the mundane. I mean, it's not so much a sort of like little extra thing. It's a whole supplement on. You know, things that we regard as utterly mundane, but if your fae are, you know, terrifying weapons or, you know, deeply disruptive. I love that concept. I know it's a slightly difficult one to just throw in at this point. But I think reinforcing the fact that, you know, when we look across to the fae at their magic, they look back at us and, you know, the things we have um, uh, and how it wrecks what they're doing. So, um yeah. I, I just love that concept and would love to see it developed even though it's huge.
1: Okay, so so I'm I'm not gonna send it to a tie. But I'm not gonna send it to a tie because uh I think we've got uh, Dr. Mitch is having far too much influence over this. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't I just don't want to give him the, the glory. I I like it, I like, uh, Kay, I'm going to go with the pair of red cap iron boots because I can see that might be a vehicle for going back into the campaign and sorting a few things out, possibly, possibly. However, what I shall do is sell extremely hard the notion that at the beginning of the book we need to have something, that, as you quite rightly said, between you, uh, Kay, uh, Kat and Doc, the mundanity of it's that technology is magic, isn't it? Science is magic. In the reverse, I think it's absolutely genius. So mundanity as a concept is is just so good. You know, it's a what was the thing you, you could imagine? Look, you're know, holding up your mobile phone or something, and the <laughs> Fey in front of you going, ah! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which could be absolutely brilliant. so. I am going for the pair of red cap iron boots because I think that's that should be we should get something in there that'd be brilliant. However, I do think there needs to be a section at the very beginning that says, "Mundanity is itself magical," which I think is excellent. So, thank you for that, cat. Really good. Listen, wow, four way tie. A four way tie. I don't think we've had a four way tie yet, but we have. And then the big bad is uh, the pair of red cap iron boots, but also this idea of m- the mundane. And that might be why the D corporation are going to lose almost because they think it's all about magic, perhaps. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway. Everybody, listen, thank you ever so much. I really, really appreciate it. That's absolutely brilliant. Really enjoyed it again. Uh, so I wish you all... Uh Wish you all a good night.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. you. It was been good fun. Good night, everyone. See you all soon. See you
3: soon.
1: So there we have it. Berwick upon tweed. (laughs) A feast. Brownies. (laughs) Cheese. Everything's in there. Four-way tie. So Dr. Mitch has got his work cut out for him. Uh, and then also two fantastic episodes, uh, ideas, I think, at the end of the episode, rather, which is the red cap iron boots, which you could maybe use as a way of uh, being able to work around some of the things we may not have achieved earlier on in the campaign. But also the mundane, the mundanity being a, 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 a baddie or, or or possibly even a force for good in the campaign. Fantastic. Hope you enjoyed it. As ever, our music is uh, provided by the Freak Fandango Orchestra. The song we use is the Gypsy song. We use it by permission. Uh, it's an, an open license. If you do enjoy the podcast, please do tell people about it. And hopefully, hopefully, after next episode, the final, the denouement in Edinburgh, we're going to start a few episodes of trying to piece all this together and thinking how we might do that, which I hope will be quite interesting. Either way, listen, thank you very much indeed for uh, downloading us and listening. And as I say, if you can tell people about the pod, I'd really appreciate it. Speak to you soon. Cheers.